Hello, this is Melissa, and it is Real History. Today is May the 18th, 2023, and I am joined in conversation by Michael from Sweden. Hi, Michael. Hello, Melissa. How are you? I'm doing great. It's a very nice weather today. Oh, good. <laughs> What's it like? For once. <laughs> well, today is about 25 degrees, so it's really nice to finally have some sun here. So you don't get a lot of sunshine. I think maybe a lot of people from different parts of the world don't understand how short your days are in the winter. I had a friend that lived in Sweden working there for several years, and she said mm. that she observed a lot of alcoholism amongst her fellow workers because it's just very depressing to be in a place that is dark so much of the day and they have to do different things like you know sun lamps and things to increase and there are studies i mean she wasn't just making that up there there is mm. you know season what they call seasonal affective disorder linked to alcoholism because people want to see the sun yeah it's true <laughs> it's very true i did not really drink too much until i came to sweden to really say. yeah I can say that because I, I remember when I used to live in other countries, probably drink once a month, let's say. Mm -hmm. But in uh, Sweden, it's a extremely strange, especially in the winter, if you are not drinking, you know, five beers a day. It's really? some people still, yeah, it's extremely um, strange in that sense when it comes to winter. The wind, they call it the winter depression. Mm -hmm. And that is actually real. And uh, I've, I see people become so down and gloom because the weather is so great. And uh, when the snow doesn't uh, fall, it's a lot grayer. And all you have is just gray. Every plant is dead and it's cold. <laughs> mm. So in a way, you don't see the sun for maybe two, three months. Mm -hmm. And the days are extremely short. Uh, is dark by three, three p.m. So you you can I I mean I can understand why people get extremely uh, depressed by it. And once the sun comes out, everybody is totally different. So it does make me understand also why the old religions used to worship the sun because is living in this part of the world, you understand how or the effect it has on the person living here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, very interesting. It's um, kind of funny if we think about your progression around the world, you've gone yeah. to increasingly dark places. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it gets uh, like colder and darker as you go through your life. Um, but yeah. psychologically, I think, and spiritually speaking, that is not true at all. But maybe you want to no. share where you're from and just a, a little bit of a... Yes. Yes, I grew up in uh, Ghana. And uh, I left there when I was 12 because my uh, mother uh, met another man and he was from uh, Cyprus. 
So we moved to Cyprus at a very uh, young age, me and my big sister. Mm-hmm. And there it was, it was kind of good because the weather was pretty much similar to the African climate. Mm-hmm. As, and they had a very short winter. But uh, for me, the language was extremely difficult, learning uh, Greek and so on. Mm-hmm. But I was able to do that within the five years I was there. And then you were about well, 18 when you left Cyprus. 18, 19, yes. Okay. Well, I would say 20 because in Cyprus, when you finish high school and you are a citizen, you have to go to the military for one or two years. Oh. Yes, so I had to do one year in the military after high school. How was that? Well, <laughs> I think it's one of those places where I realized that uh, I'm an individual because I could not... <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I I, I'm sorry, but Michael, that we were we were just doing our little sound test and we weren't recording. But I I asked you, I said, well, you know, we're in these times of woke and politically correct and everything, and I just want to know, you know, how do you like to be referred to? Are you are you from? Do you say you're from Sweden? Are you from Ghana? Are you a black man? Are you African? I mean, how do you describe yourself? And you said, I'm an individual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, and I, I think that is what I took from Alan's uh, messages, because uh, it is, his uh, description of an individual totally fits me. And um, when I read uh, B.F. Skinner's uh, behaviorism, the way he described uh, the mass mind and the way he describes an individual, I just felt like I belong in the other category. So in a way, I, have, I had to learn to embrace that, you know, through my, through my life. And, but I never understood that I was an individual until I came across Alan's work, of course. Mm-hmm. You just didn't fit into the way that you were to, told to go or told to think. Yes, and it, it, that kind of started from a very young age. You know, and where I was born in Ghana is an extremely remote place where you would say there are no uh, electricity lights. So people are still living with like uh, the moonlight in the night and also the fire as a light. Mm -hmm. So it's no electricity and uh, it's not so developed. So in my world, when I was so young, I was still wondering why is everything so you know, even though I hadn't seen anything else before, I was still questioning why is things the way they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, the answer I would get when I was asking the adults were like, "You ask too many questions." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I grew. I I I, uh, I developed this uh, nickname as a child, as an old man, because I was asking questions which the old people could not answer. Yes, so even my mom, she still called me the old man because the question I'm asking, they, they don't really have answers for. Uh-huh. And when I listened to Alan's talk, he's, you know, he said that there are some people that have always been searching because they know something is wrong. And I felt that I belong in this category my whole life until I got the explanation for what it is, what really is the real truth. 
That's interesting. The, um, you know that they do say that about people. Oh, you're an old soul. Yeah. Alan would talk about when he was in school, the same thing that you're describing, asking questions that the adults had never considered. They didn't have the mm. answer for. He described it like their eyes would just kind of start to, you know, roll, 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 <laughs> and it's, it go back yeah. and forth, you know, the, the, the sort of deer in headlights, mm. they, yeah. it just stopped them, right? They, they had no place to go. Mm. It had never yeah. occurred to them, and, um, you know, he said that he got a lot of, as a boy, well, why are you even thinking about that? Yeah, that's also the same for me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's the same. And it's even the difference with me now is that I don't need to, uh, like Alan would say, I, I live more in my mind than to express what I really want to say. So in a way, if I see something is wrong, I kind of now understand why. So I don't need to ask anybody about it. So mm-hmm. that is a good, that is a really good uh, feeling to have that reference with the mm-hmm. talks and uh, everything Alan has provided because that, in a way, I asked the question in my head and then I get the answer already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's great. They keep, you keep, can actually keep your own counsel. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's good. So, the, so you learned in the Army and in the military in Cyprus that you were an individual. Are there any examples of... Yes. Because uh, Cyprus has a, uh, has a divided uh, capital because it was occupied by the Turkish uh, Nicosia, the capital. So now if you go, there is, a, there is the north side of Cyprus and there is the real Cyprus, let's say. So they are extremely been fighting with each other for so many years. The European Union, Cyprus, uh, I think the reason why the Turkish people cannot get into the European Union because they always uh, veto their vote because of that occupation. Mm. And um, when I was in the military, as every military, they give a lot of propaganda. And for me, it was not, it was not uh, adding up because I never saw or I never understood the the hate for the other side or the other side's hate for this side. It was more like why are two people not getting along, you know? And so when I was in the military, they were, well, we're doing exercises about how we handle situations if this happens. And I'm, I'm thinking in my head, sorry, but I don't agree. I'm not <laughs> going to do this. <laughs> I'm really not going to do this. So. <laughs> In a way, I, I was so happy that I, I didn't have to ever go into the dangerous areas. But once I went to the, the border, uh, the Nicosia, and um, one of our superiors, you say, it was like, you need to be alert because the Turkish soldiers are on the other side of this border. And I was extremely relaxed as always because I'm like, I'm sorry, but if I if I don't try to hurt somebody, I don't think they will try to hurt me either. So <laughs> I had a totally different mentality compared to the other Cypriots. They were extremely uh, agitated and ready to, you know, fight if there was. But I was totally the opposite. Like, guys, you know, 
I don't think anybody will hurt you if you don't try to hurt them. Mm-hmm. So everything that I was, all the messages I was getting were not adding up. And also during my high school in Cyprus, they tried to show videos of their past uh, wars with the Turkish side. So in a way, they were creating a lot of uh, video images for people to be extremely nationalist in a way. Mm-hmm. And how the, yeah, yeah, demonizing the enemy. And it's exactly the same thing that I had to experience in Ghana, but I, I, I was so young, I did not understand that that was actually a technique and a way to brainwash people. Because in, in Ghana, they also try to uh, indoctrinate the people and let them know that the occasion is their enemy in a way, because the history is we have been occupied and, you know, resources has been taken by this, by that, by this. So it's a lot of brainwashing going on at schools just to make you have an enemy. Mm-hmm. And I have uh, friends of people I know who cannot uh, go above that level because to them, their lands, their resource has been taken by not by a certain group, but by a whole race of Caucasian. So, mm-hmm. it's the it, thinking it's there. And go ahead. Yes, the thinking there is extremely basic. And, and it, I feel that it's the same. It's the same with the Swedish culture, where they are supposed to be extremely open to other cultures. So you could say that the Swedish culture is the opposite of the the separate culture, where they are extremely close group. The Swedish way is that you are supposed to be open for everything. Mm-hmm. And that is also one of the reasons why uh, I was not surprised that they were the ones that they introduced the free love to and also now transgender and uh, everything happening in the world starting in Sweden. Yes, I mean, it's debatable. Does everything in the world start in California or does it start in Sweden? (laughs) But I think, you know, remember how Alan would talk about countries or places being Mm -hmm. test beds for certain ideas? Well, Sweden has definitely been a test bed for a lot of these kinds of ideas. It's not at the tip of my brain, so to speak, but there was something that I was researching last year, and mm. I it I learned that Sweden's program for the stay-at-home dads and the basically what you might call a reversal of the roles, where they were encouraging... See, I, I don't know now how long the the... Swedish so-called maternity mm. or paternity pay is, but it's very, very long. But the yeah. it's heavily slanted to keep the father at home and to break mm. that traditional role. Well, that has actually been going on from approaching 50 years, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And um, even at work, you have uh, people going on maternity leave, but yeah, fathers... Because mm-hmm. the way the way it was when I first came in 2011 was that you have a certain amount of days which is uh, split for both parents, but the man could give his days to the woman and the woman could stay home longer mm-hmm. and the man could work instead. But 
I think in 2015, they, they got rid of that rule that the man has to take his days and he cannot give it to the woman. So, mm-hmm. Because yeah, if you think about the yeah. social engineering behind that, there, yeah. is, there is something... I mean, what you can't do is social engineer nature, although they try and they try and they try, but nature yeah. will have its way. And mm. so the, the woman who has a, a child, has a baby... There's a natural yeah. bonding that occurs. She obviously wants to be the one who is providing that initial care. But if you have an, yeah. a country then that says, oh, no, you, the father can't give those extra days to allow mm. his wife to be the one to do the, you know, the, the, this is social engineering. Yeah. And they make it extremely attractive by paying 85% of your salary. So mm-hmm. in a way, you, you might, you might lose a little bit money, but. The, and and the strange thing I'm seeing is that before they change the rules, most men will not want to stay home. They rather give the days to the mother. But I think even now that you have to, uh, you have a split. Like for me myself, I still would not use those days because I rather me work than my wife work because I know how important it is for the children to bond with the mother. Mm-hmm. And I think one. Thing I took from Alan's talk is that the natural conversations with the mother and the child cannot be replicated with the father and the child because it's such a different bond. What they will tell their mom, they they cannot tell their father. So it's it's nature, it's natural. You can't you can't change that. So I kind of embrace that and try to do what a man is supposed to do, which is uh, provide for the family and. Uh, if uh, the mother can work as less as possible, even better. But mm-hmm. the Swedish way is changing so much that it's going to the opposite direction where the man needs to stay home more than the woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also talked on uh, about the free love and everything, and this was, you know, Sweden mm-hmm. was a test bed there. And again, I don't mm-hmm. want to make out, oh, all Swedish people are this way or mm-hmm. all Swedish women are that way. But, you know, yeah. Alan talked to me about it travels in the music business and mm. um, he spent a lot of time in the Scandinavian countries with music and mm. that he he said that there were obvious things that were being promoted many many mm. years ago that had to do with the absolute that there that there could not be any idea that mm. The sexual act was between one man and one woman, and that it was special. It was the, it, it was the complete opposite was being promoted from the top in Sweden. Yeah, that is true, and it's even worse now because um, I think one of the thing I, I observed the most in Sweden is how they had uh, one of the highest rate of divorces, and those. Uh, Numbers, I read about it, but to experience it and to see people around you that every, every family is breaking up because I think this is also tied to the fact that they are trying to change what a woman is in Sweden in a way mm-hmm. because the mothers are not staying home long enough that they are bonding with a child so much. So 
when the child is growing up and there are difficulties with the child, which that's also something I've observed that there are so many children that have this uh, ADHD. Mm-hmm. And when I go to pick up my daughters from school, you can see you can see those children that they are not the norm or they are not as calm as it should be. Or and that used to be an uh, observation which. I could see in boys, but now I can see it in the females also, the young females. And it's so strange because, because I think, um, five year old, they're already diagnosing them with HCAT and so on. And if your child is diagnosed, you have to get help from the government for them to help at the school or the nursery, which they are going to. And those numbers are going up. You know, you, I just read about it, but to see it in um, in real life is extremely like, wow, this is real, you know. Mm-hmm. And when you hear the parents talk, it's not about activating the child. It's more like, yeah, we need to go see the psychologist to get a pill, calm the child down because they are over hyperactive. This is just a, it's total, total warfare. Mm. Uh, it, yeah. Again, in nature, you'd observe this, especially growing up in in Africa in an area mm. where you don't have electricity. You're much more yeah. tied to the land, that and yeah. you know that boys like to run. Yeah, they like to burn yes. off enormous amounts of energy mm. which they have all day long, every day. Yeah, and exactly. this is being and called course, a disease. Yeah. This is a disease. Yes. yes. So if you're energetic, you're, you have a disease. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. It, it, and that this is, is criminal. Yeah. yeah, it's really sad. It's really sad because the parents also take the advice of the professionals and they uh, give their children the pill. And of course, the, one of the biggest problems here in Sweden is that they have one of the highest rates of antidepressants. So the parents are already on, let's say, antidepressants, so they will of course, be much more willing to also put your children on something mild. Mm-hmm. That That's one thing. When I came here, I had no idea what antidepressants were. But when I um, talked to people, they were like, yeah, I, I couldn't drink too much this weekend because of the pill. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what pill? <laughs> Am I missing something here? <laughs> and then it, it, it was such a okay, open uh, talk. Yes, I'm on the pill. I'm on the pill. And I'm, what pill? But men, mostly men, are on antidepressants, which is so strange. And, uh, yeah, if you're on those antidepressants, you get extremely drunk by just very little alcohol. And also the weight gain from that. So when I used to train uh, people as a personal trainer, I would ask them, you know, what are you doing so different that you are putting on so much weight? And people would normally say that it's because of the pill. Um. But the side effect of it is also putting on the weight. Mm-hmm. People were extremely okay with it until I came across one guy that said, uh, you know, I I was not so great when um, I got subscribed the pills, but now I feel like killing myself. I've gone that worse. It's become that worse. But you, because... The government policy, you cannot deny it in a way. If what, you what ever do you mean? Need, oh, you mean you can't you, say no? 
Yeah, because yeah. if you in Sweden, you can get some time off work if you go to the psychologist and say that you are not feeling so great and stressed out and life is not great. The theme is to promote you the antidepressants. And when you are on that, you get a sick leave, which the company and the government pay your salary in a way. Mm-hmm. So that is also extremely attractive to people that uh, are already lost in their lives and uh, they cannot find any hope anywhere else. But they get worse from it. And uh, most people don't talk about it, but I came across one guy that was talking about it and he said he felt like killing himself he got worse mm-hmm. but he cannot say no to it <laughs> so oh, he yeah he can't get get, he has to take it it makes him feel worse yeah. but he knows that the government is on his back now once in yeah. the system always in the system mm-hmm. yes the other thing too that has been going on for many decades there is the 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 active de-Christianization, I think that that is really accomplished in Sweden. Mm. The, the, oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. My daughter goes to a church uh, nursery. So the, uh, it's a church that is having a nursery also on the side. Mm-hmm. So they, it's more like private. But even that, I can tell the churches are not what uh, churches used to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, the prom- they are extremely uh, small groups, even though where I live in Yenshepin is like churches everywhere, but you don't really see people going to church except the older generations. Yeah, they are very few now because mm-hmm. I think Sweden has one of the highest uh, old generations there is in Europe. So, the, and also that's one reason why they they have to be extremely open to immigration because they say, they, they tell the people the population is too old. Mm-hmm. They don't have enough people in the workforce, young people in the workforce. But, you know, that does not make any sense because most young people in Sweden are also sterile. So how is that adding, <laughs> adding up? But then, you know, then you read the UN survey about the sterilization and Alan explained a lot about it and... It makes sense. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that you know Swedish people are supposed to have less uh, children, and the ones that even uh, have children, they are doing this artificial fertilization. That is so common here. That is is a bit scary because people don't really question the technique or whether you know does it have any effect on the children or not. It is just about yeah, we want a child and. They are going to help us get a child, but why are people not able to have a child? It's a, it's a big number, and it's too common. So yeah, in that, when I when I observe Sweden and I read Brave New World, watch the movie, and I'm like, this is exactly a copy paste. Mm-hmm. You know, it's exactly a copy paste, and the fact that they. Um, even when it comes to employment, if you study one area, they think you are incapable of doing a different area. So you are stuck in that category for the rest of your life. And they are so uh, strict when it comes to what you have learned before. Mm-hmm. But it's because it means you can't learn anything else. Right. Mm-hmm. And now, there, I 
want to uh, just mention a couple of other things that, that you mentioned in an email, but uh, about how Sweden kind of takes the lead in certain areas. Yeah. You remember when, I mean, Alan has been cover, covering the coming chipping, the brain chip, whatever, the neural implants for forever. Yeah. I mean, since the very beginning, it's in his books, it's, you know, it's been through all of his talks. But when he yeah. supports that with news coverage, what we find is that almost all of the trialing of chips and, and um, implants under the skins or any even tattooing for nightclubs um, that mm -hmm. has been trialed first or very early in Sweden. Yeah. And they've already adopted in many places, workplaces and so forth, um, mm. biometrics or an implant under the skin as um, means to gain entry into their place of employment. That's common. I, I think it's pretty common now in Sweden, is it not? Yeah. I think the Swedish, um, in Sweden, they are extremely technology-driven, mm -hmm. let's say. So, I mean, now where I live, everybody has a digital door, let's say. Mm-hmm. And people are more, now they have to use a tag. And then later on, it's like, okay, a tag is too, too much work. I'm going to use a Wi-Fi from my phone to unlock my door. A tag is and just then, the thing that they wave, right? Like it's a, yes, a thing exactly. on a keychain yes. or whatever. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So people are always thinking about the easiest way to do things, but they are not really thinking about the consequences towards it. And... Uh, for me, that was the one of the big shocks when I came here in 2011 because I went to a shop and I I went to buy a mobile SIM card and then I put cash on the table and the woman said, no, no cash here. And it was extremely surprising because if you, if you are doing accounting, cash is the real money, <laughs> mm -hmm. not uh, the digital currency. So I was, I was like, are you sure? Because this is not, it's real cash. He said, no, we don't accept cash in this shop. And this was uh, 2011. Mm. And now you cannot use cash in most shops, except the uh, grocery shops, let's say. Mm -hmm. So they are extremely driven with technology. Mm -hmm. And when the virtual reality headset came about, People are so driven by this virtual world, virtual world, that they need to be able to uh, have the latest fashion going on. And I think that is extremely driven into it, to have the latest fashion going on. The latest fashion is always technology. Right. It has been for a long time, you know, it's, it's the yeah. MP. The well, you know, back to the days of the boombox or whatever. Then yeah. you got your MP3 player, and then you've got your iPhone and your tablet, you know, and the, yeah. now your Apple Watch, etc., etc., etc. And it, you're just not cool if you're not attired yeah. in the latest technological uh, f fashion wear. Mm. Yeah. There yeah. are some things that you mentioned um, in in an email the other day when you said that, yes, you would like to talk with me. But yeah. before we get into a few more things that are going on in Sweden, so mm. Ghana to Cyprus, yeah. 
Cyprus military, the realization in a way that you're an individual, even though you may not have the words for it until you find Alan. But we missed an entire continent. We missed a country. So you want to tell us about your university? Yeah. I think during my uh, time in military, I had to do it for 12 months. So I just wanted to find somewhere else to go, some something different. I thought about the language, so I decided that I need to find some education in the UK. And then I chose accounting because it was something I thought it was straightforward in a way when I was in high school. So I decided to apply for a few universities and I got into one and it was in Southampton. Yeah, during my time there, it was also a completely different experience, of course, because the the idea you have of the the UK is on the on the screens is totally different from the reality. And uh, when I was in a place like Southampton, it was extremely peaceful compared to what I've heard about the UK. I had the chance to work as an international tour guide for international students, and I remember the lecture or the introduction week. The material they were giving to them is like, don't go to this spot, don't go to that spot. It could be extremely dangerous. And I just walked from there not some minutes ago, and I thought it was completely (laughs) fine. (laughs) So they made everything sound so dangerous and it's so you know bad and it's so this and it's so that. But in a way, I I saw the UK as extremely unlively place to be it just felt so the the idea of uh, the UK you know people are so educated and uh, uh, forward thinking and uh, so on you know I expected so much from that but the reality I got was that it was not people that were so uh, aware of everything it was more like most people were extremely unaware of most things and it was just football that's it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) all you hear is football 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 but people did not know anything about that or most people did not talk about anything about uh, football and that was strange because i thought i could learn uh, so much going to the uk and like the culture was so on UK like when you read about the UK let's say I think that also got to do with the fact that they try to not make people think too much about the important things and it's uh, rather let them talk about the trivias and so on so I can't remember the, the a good conversation I had with people in the UK except maybe at the university debates, which at that time we were discussing about uh, globalism. And I had to write an assignment about that. And there, there was a little hiccup for me because the assignment was to talk about why it would be great to to globalize the world and have the same system, same accounting system, same... Uh, introducing good culture, same human rights, all the good stuff. But doing that, I came across that, wait a minute, looking at my culture or looking at the cultures of experience, it's so different that it will not work here or here will not work there. 
So mm -hmm. why would we even want to have the same system in the whole world? So there, for a second, I was thinking to myself, globalism is not good. <laughs> and I didn't know too much about that topic either. So, but I, uh, for me, it did not sound so good. And I wrote a little bit against it. And, uh, of course, I got the consequences by not getting good grace for it. Ah. Yeah, because um, I think it was pretty clear what you are supposed to do and argue for the points of it. And I could not go beyond that because I thought it was not, it was not a good thing. And uh, the way it was portrayed was that you should explore any country and uh, introduce any system as long as you're able to uh, emulate a better culture. And that totally destroyed it for me because I'm coming from different cultures with uh, different histories with, how do you say, countries being taken over because their culture was not as superior as others and so on. So what made me think the most was that then which culture is the best out of all these cultures. And I could not understand how people or uh, it could be decided that one culture is superior to others because there were so many difference in the cultures. Yeah, so in the UK, I, 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 I tried so much to understand, but I just could not wrap my head around it, why things were the way they were. It's an so interesting... Not, Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I could not stay there for too long because <laughs> I just felt that it, it was not what I thought it would be. Just speaking to the point that you make about which culture is superior or even the idea mm. that they give us about multiculturalism. Mm. See, with multiculturalism, yeah. you the lie is mm. that everybody gets to keep their culture and you just have groups of people with their culture getting along in some kind of airy-fairy way that is never mm. you know, elaborated or, you know, we don't really know how that would work. But that's the yeah. lie of multiculturalism, because what multiculturalism is to destroy all cultures, all yeah. cultures. Yeah. And there is no superior culture. All that remains is a monoculture. Yeah. And the yes, monoculture is the one that is agreed on at the top, that uh, all differences are denied. Yeah. Eventually, they get to that point. Right now, in many places, like in the United States, we're still in the, you know, this whole othering and the upside down and the vilification, mm. you know, white privilege of vilification of people and a, yeah. a lifting up of other people. But the, the, the end goal is monoculture. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's what I understood because it just was not accepting other uh, beliefs or other cultural views. It was just one way. Yeah. So I, I did not, I did not buy that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you finished university there in mm. Southampton and at, at some point though, mm. I think while you were still in university, you had a trip back home to see your mother and stepfather in Cyprus. And it yeah. was there that you met 
a woman from Sweden. Yes, yes. And um, I think the the strange part is that Cyprus has a, a holiday resort town, let's say. I think when I when I was young and growing up in Cyprus, I I used to um, hear a lot of stories about it and so on. And uh, when I finished high school, I went there with my friends to see how it's like. And I mean now, knowing all I know, it feels like uh, one of those Adam Curtis documentaries when uh, it was showing the Berlin cultural creation times. Mm-hmm. Because everything was so open and there was no uh, wrong in those places. And the fashion, the the music, the, the way things were, it was so... I could not picture this in any other country except that place and a few other islands, which they are known as a party island. But it's just now, looking back, it just feels like a place where anything goes kind of culture and this is just a specific place but when I was there I was it, it was so funny to observe because I'm I'm so not used to this kind of atmosphere and I could see people you know behaving in a strange way I mean because I haven't experienced this but it, it just felt like it's a very great place to create whatever culture and there are no consequences, let's say. Again, you're talking about a kind of a brave new world scenario. I assume you're speaking yes. of promiscuity, yeah. um, immodesty, exactly. b- b- basically yeah. the breaking down of all social m- moral Both, norms. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, it's so strange because when you speak to people that come there, and in the UK they have many music describing the place as a place where yeah, you just go to have fun, and it's so known between other countries that you know those places are a place where you go to, um, yeah, experience that. Simena, Doneo, Doneo, eh, Lord of Mercy, look, Doneo, Doneo. So. Growing up, I did not know that this place existed in that sense. I just know that it's a nice, uh, it has a nice beaches and, uh, you could go there and, um, it has one of the nicest, uh, clear, uh, waters or sea. So you could, you could see the stones in the ground and it's, it's so beautiful. But, uh, it's mostly filled with people coming from the UK. Mm-hmm. No! And it's like when you go to that part of uh, the island, it's just the totally different language. You don't hear Greek anymore. All you hear is another language, different languages except Greek. And even I, because I, um, I was kind of a local, when I go there with some friends, they don't even feel like it's their country. It's mm-hmm. like a totally different uh, country to them. I 
So it was so strange that I met somebody <laughs> from that uh, place. It was extremely strange. But you did, and she was yeah. a, a young Swedish woman on holiday. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. okay, so you met her, mm. you liked her. Yeah. Then she went back to Sweden, and you went back to the UK for university. No, because no. I had just finished you my university. You had finished. Okay. Yeah. So what happened? Yeah, we met, and then uh, I think she was there for a month because now that I realize in Sweden you can work the whole year, but you get one month of uh, vacation, paid vacation. So what people do is they get out of the country because it could be uh, if the summer is not great, you want to experience the summer. Mm-hmm. So she was there for her summer vacation. So that's how we met, and then um, I was there because I tried to find a job in the UK, and it just was not working out. Because when I when I finished university, I just I just lost the drive to do what I studied for, which is accounting. It just mm-hmm. felt like, do I really want to uh, sit through papers and just sit on computer and just calculate? It's just there was no meaning. It, it, I don't know, maybe because I was getting old, but the meaning was so uh, shallow for me mm-hmm. that I I just could not uh, have the courage to actually work with it. So I went back to Cyprus to try and uh, uh, get some break from that, to mm-hmm. look for jobs and so on. And then uh, a friend of mine called me and asked me, do you want to come and work here? And... <laughs> My mom was like, no, don't go there. <laughs> That's not a good place to go to. <laughs> but uh, I, I just felt like I've always been a person that had so much control of myself. So I felt like I could trust myself to go there and uh, only think about working a job, let's say. Uh-huh. To, the party er- to the party area. Yeah. yeah. But I know that the party part, I could not do it too much. Uh-huh. But... For me, that was also a good experience because I was able to observe so much from that and uh, how different people that I've met there, how different the, they ended up now, in a way. Because mm-hmm. uh, I was able to um, meet so many people on holidays and you would have them on Facebook when you meet and so on. So now I could even see people that I met during those times and... I see how their lives are is so strange to observe also they've fallen into that part kind of party life and never left it yeah m- more like they become single parents in a way uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah so you in an unlikely place found a woman yeah. that in this you've been together now how long yeah since we met so <laughs> I have Wait, to remember now. <laughs> about 2009, yeah. 10? 11. Oh, so you, you basically, you went to Sweden right away. Yeah. Okay. Because is... the choice, when we met, I think the, after one month of uh, uh, talking and so on, she had to go back and she asked me, do you want to come and live in Sweden with me? And I, and I was like... 
I don't know, but uh, the UK is also an option. And uh, she said, no, I could not leave my family in Sweden. But I've always been the person traveling around. So I was like, okay, I know the UK. I know uh, Cyprus. And uh, I think I would like to try Sweden. But of course, I knew the only thing I knew about Sweden was the climate and how cold it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, I said, okay, let's just try this. And of course, I'm extremely lucky. So it's worked out pretty well for me. Now, this But, is uh, an... This and 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 a question that I have um, mm-hmm. about you, you've been married. You got married. You had two children, yeah. right? That you got yes. married, but you were you've been married not too long. No, and also of course it's because of um, how do you say how I understood marriage in a way, and I think when I started the. Or growing up and observing people that were married, it was, of course, in the future I would love to be married. But the more I grew up and the more I knew, it did not mean so much to me in that sense. Because once I understood why marriage was introduced, then the meaning had to, you know, had to change for me. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's one of the thing that's, that kept happening to me, you could say that I was breaking out of the indoctrination in a way, because when Alan speak about marriage, let's say, and the meaning behind it and, uh, and the introduction of marriage by the Catholic uh, Church keep uh, uh, people tied together because of a certain uh, agenda, mm-hmm. I knew I had to find my own meaning to it. So... Mm-hmm. For me, when that decision came, it was extremely different than uh, what was given to me or what I observed. It wasn't a because it was a socially required. It it had to be the the connection. So you are an individual, but you also have some because of your experiences and your travels, you can really see Mm. the the Brave New World agenda, what is happening to families, what is happening to marriages. Yeah. The, your wife mm. pointed out, I, I, wa- I want you to mention mm. really quickly when you went to the sporting event. Soccer, was it? Yeah. Uh, t- yes, t- football. Just, yeah, it's football. Yeah, say, because you were noticing that the Swedish people... The team, none of the fans there to support the Swedish mm. football team were wearing mm. Swedish colors or, or their, their team's jersey or anything like that. And you asked your wife about it. What did she say? Yeah, she said that they would uh, brand them as uh, Swedish nationalists. So they were racist, basically. If you are wearing the Swedish uh, or holding the Swedish flag in public areas, you will be branded as Swedish Democrat, because they have the same flag or the same colors. But then that makes sense because the Swedish flag is yellow and blue. So <laughs> it did not make any sense to brand somebody uh, based on the color of the flag. Mm-hmm. But this is, again, one of these things where y- you see just how long, how many years, generations, really, mm-hmm. 
the social mm-hmm. engineering has been at work on the Swedish people. But you yeah. do you did meet and marry a woman who had a strong identity, if maybe not as a Swedish woman, but she had a strong yeah. connection to her family. That was very yeah. important. Mm. But yeah, you must that, uh, be with your thinking yeah. being your thinking is so unusual compared to what is all around her how does she respond to that how does she respond to you thinking outside the box outside the matrix i think that is where i would say that you know alan's talk really helped me because when he talked about he had this talk where it was about the gender conflicts let's say Mm -hmm. and also he spoke about marriage and the fact that you, you are driven because of your hormones and then later on you realize the stranger next to you. <laughs> and, and then of course he's, you know, he also mentioned that if, if he had no foundation to stand on, it would be broken. So in a way I, I had that on the back of my mind because she is not as open about understanding as I am, let's say. So, the big thing I took from Alan was that you have to also not be a tyrant and let people try to be like you and try to change to be like you. So in a way, I became more comfortable with myself that I didn't need her to change to be like me or understand me. But I wanted her or she should always see that the best thing I want is for my family, let's say. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think the most difficult time for me was during the COVID time because in Sweden they pretty much changed everything to make you conform to taking the vaccine. Uh, The social pressure was so immense. It was huge and I think I was the only one of very few that did not get uh, vaccinated. And and, uh, the pressure I was getting was from everywhere, family, friends work everywhere mm-hmm. so if somebody was uh, getting sick they will point at you not because they know that you have uh, got the vaccine or not but people were posting on their facebook page when they got the vaccine of the receipt of the vaccine mm-hmm. that i'm vaccinated i got my first dose today so if they haven't seen a post from you confirming that you start being uh, suspicious to them that's one area which I think tested my marriage. It was so great to find a big meaning to get married at that time because I think it was the most testing period of my life because I don't think that my wife totally understands or can understand, but at the same time, um, I think, like Alan would say, you give the little truths that people can handle. Mm-hmm. You just let them be to see if the idea grows or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in terms, I mean, and what you have done is mm-hmm. keep a relationship together now for a dozen years. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and you know, go ahead for your own reasons to make the decision to formalize it if you will but neither here nor yeah. there you you have had a committed relationship for a dozen years yeah and you're very yeah. concerned about things that you see the attacks on the family mm. uh, because there's no real yeah. uh, 
support system for a family hasn't been in Sweden, as far as I can tell, for a good 40 years. So people just mm. do it, you know, who knows how, how, you know, by the grace of the god or gods, they manage to keep it together. Yeah. What you're seeing, you said mm. one of the biggest attacks right now is the transgenderism. Yeah. And it's funny because uh, yesterday my wife went to uh, a show to watch one of uh, her favorite artists. Is it okay if I mention the name? Sure. Yeah, she wanted to see a Beyonce concert in uh, Stockholm. Mm. And uh, we were talking about it today, and she was showing me the, the videos of the transgender in her you know, dancers in her um, in her dancing group. Mm-hmm. And I was, and she she was telling me you would have been shocked to see that. And I was I was okay. So she showed me the video of the dancers, and yes, I was blown away because it was basically men dressed in uh, dresses dancing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's, it, and I told her this is, this could only be done in Sweden because you are supposed to be so open to this. It could not have been done in another country because yeah, they are not as open as it is here. And she well, it could be done now in the United States. That's for sure. It is. It is being done. You know, so. yeah. yeah, but it's 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 so strange that in Sweden you will not hear one bad word about it. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody would say. Uh, it's more of the the person that would say something bad about it. The person that something is wrong with that. Exactly. And that, and that's happened. That is, that is actually happening here too, because I, Mm. I think we'll see this more and more in every country. But it's, what is interesting to me is that the, the, the psychological warfare is so intense that Mm. a country like the United States, which supposedly for some uh, historic period, was more conservative uh, in its values, we have gone to exactly that place that you're describing where to criticize it or to say that there might be a harm done to a child mm-hmm. if you're doing the uh, gender-affirming therapies. And by affirming, I mean affirming it through hormones, that these yeah. things are harmful to young children you're, yeah. th- there's no support for that any longer here in the not just the media and the culture, but the medical profession. I was looking at this just this week, and this is doctors. They have whole bodies of doctors that sign petitions that say if you criticize the hormone yeah. replacement therapy, that there's something mm. wrong with you. Yes, yes, that's true. Because so, it's also, yeah, the yeah. same thing with the children. Because when I, my daughter talks about uh, another child at school, and she's like, he likes to wear dresses. And uh, I was like, what? He's like, yeah. The parent of this child says the child has not decided yet <laughs> what mm-hmm. gender they are. <laughs> <laughs> so if today they feel like wearing a dress, they can wear a dress tomorrow if they feel like so. So how does this work between you and your wife and the children? I mean, are, are you are you sharing your thoughts and your values on this with your wife and children? Um, are you 
are, not are too you, much. Yeah. Because I think my my daughters are extremely like me in a way that they uh-huh. also, because they are different looking, let's say, uh-huh. uh, half Swedish, half African, they also can see difference around them in a way. So they have a million questions. And I think this is where my own curiosity has led me to find out so much that I can help them answer their questions better more than I had when I was at their age. So in a way, although I cannot share too much with them, I'm able to explain things a little bit better than they would have got at school. Mm-hmm. And it's so strange because when um, my my big daughter asked me questions, uh, they are really heavy questions. And the only way I could have answered is because I came across uh, someone called Alan Watt who referred a book. <laughs> so <laughs> there was no way I could have answered that question by just not knowing enough. But I do not share too much with them when it comes to, let's say, the agenda, because I know that at school they also uh, monitoring the children, mm-hmm. and they and they are extremely, extremely strict. Because they are teaching them a certain culture and belief, which I try to explain to my big daughter because she's a little bit older and can understand more why this is being taught and why. How uh, old is your big daughter? Uh, she's nine. Okay. And the younger one is five? Uh, six. Six. Actually, tomorrow. Ah, um, six tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but they have so many questions. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, we've we've been talking for over an hour now. And so there is a couple of things I want to say that I've enjoyed it thoroughly. Um mm. and I I think we'll have to talk again and get more. I'm really interested in what is going on in Sweden and your, you know, how you function as an individual there who's thinking outside yeah. the box. But I also, what I want to do, so this, I'll be trim, editing this out a little bit. Um, yeah. At the moment that you started to talk about the vaccine. Yes. I'm going to cut that out for YouTube. Mm. Yeah. Because if I, because they won't, I can't, uh, there's no free speech, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, so they'll they'll pull not. yeah, they will pull the mm. they will actually pull the video down and they'll strike it and you know, so that happens. Mm. But I think yeah. what but I can put it on Rumble and I can put it on uh BitChute. Yes. And sure. it, and that'll be fine. And and I can also run the audio version of this will be complete. So mm. I'll probably yeah. say something I, I may even just record it right now for uh, the YouTube listeners, there's about eight or ten more minutes that you might want to mm. uh, visit cuttingthroughthematrix.com so that you can find out where to hear the last ten minutes of this conversation. All right, so I want to thank you, Michael, for talking with me and sharing some of your background and your story. It's very interesting. And I look forward, I hope that you'll have the time and interest to talk to me down the line a little bit. We can talk a bit more about cultural changes, things going on in Sweden, because it's very interesting. And I thank you. 
Yes, thank you very much for having me. Okay, and for everybody else, I will be back next week, and I, I will have someone to talk to you that I uh, that I also think that you'll find quite interesting. So thank you for joining us, and take care. Well, I got something that's